And that's what is amazing about hospitality in restaurants like this. It's that, you know, people are super excited to go out for dinner most of the times, I guess. And it's the opportunity for us to really meet new people every single day and, and make friends. We are continuing our celebrations of 500 episodes of Dirty Linen. Actually, cannot believe it. We are continuing our uh, time at Vudemond, a restaurant that's been such a key place for Melbourne milestones since 2000. Today's guest is the general manager, Hugo Sumeos Santos, uh, somebody who's been a fixture at the restaurant for a number of years, and he's going to give us the lowdown from the front of house perspective. Hugo, so delighted to welcome you to Dirty Linen, just as you've welcomed me numerous times to your restaurant. Hello, how are you doing? I'm really good. Thank you for taking the time to have a chat. Um, tell us about your role as manager at Vudemond. Um, oh, well, so again, like you mentioned, so I've, um, I'm the general manager, so I oversee the, the restaurant and the Louis bar, so just the, yeah, the bar next door. And, uh, and yeah, I've been part of uh, Vudemond for almost nine years now. Well, at least nine years that I've, I've moved to Australia. Um, so I initially joined the team um, for just about a year and a half, and then I left. Um, so I went to do an opening in a different restaurant in Melbourne, and then ended up coming back uh, seven years ago or so again. And that's sort of when I uh, came back as as restaurant manager, and then later on moved on to to, to general manager. So yeah, a fair amount of years now, but I guess I guess it's a good sign, and uh, yeah, pretty happy at Vidomon, love it there, and. Um, yeah, so. Well, I think you're, you really exemplify the consistency of personnel that is such a feature of the restaurant and really quite unusual in hospitality to have such a consistent team over so many years. But um, Hugo, uh, you know what you're talking about and I've been to the restaurant. I'm fortunate to have dined with you. But for people who have never been to Vudemont, perhaps never even heard of it, aren't familiar with the restaurant. Just give us a real 101 on the, the the location, the size, the offering, the style of menu. Let's even talk price. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Again, so Vudemont, it's been uh, open now for nearly uh, 23 years. So Shannon Bennett was the original chef. So he opened Vudemont when he was um, just about 24 years old. Uh, so he initially opened Vudemont in, in Carlton. Um he then so moved the restaurant to Little Collins Street in 2005. So he was there for another five years, and then uh, he moved he moved up the restaurant up to to the Rialto Tower um, in 2011. So the restaurant is um, on level 55 of the Rialto Tower. So it's the last floor of um, of the tower. So it's about uh, what is it about 250 meters high. Uh, off the floor and um, yeah so as you can imagine and and people listening it's got a, an amazing view of um, of the city and um, and so upstairs in the restaurant so we've got the restaurant and then we've got uh, the Louis bar which is next door and then also uh, view events so big space for events so almost basically three uh, three different uh, spaces um, and almost like three different venues I guess um, but yeah, so when Shannon first opened the restaurant, it was sort of uh, really focused on, on French classics. Um, and then over the years, uh, the concept sort of, and the, the restaurant sort of really evolved and changed a little bit the concept. And, uh, uh, and especially more uh, since it's been in the Rialto Tower, the menu sort of really focused on seasonality, local produce, um, Australian native ingredients. 
so really sort of trying to showcase an Australian experience. Um, I mean, I guess it's difficult to say or to, you know, to say what's, you know, Australian cuisine, I guess, you know, it's not something like you, you can really compare when you say French cuisine or Italian cuisine, but it's all about, you know, I think for us, if you don't is sort of really about the produce and uh, the, those connections and relationships with some of the, you know, some of the best producers in, in Australia for meat, for fish or for fishermen and so on. And, um, you know, the, the amazing cheesemakers that we, that we work with. Um, and again, it sort of really showcased those, those produce and, um, uh, and, uh, and work close, close together with, with people like that. And, um, yeah, so. And what about the, the menu structure? How does that all work? Well, so it's, um, it's a tasting menu. So again, in the past, we've had a lot of, lots of different options for menus. Um, uh, re- um, I guess a la carte menu and then different options on, on tasting menus as well, where sort of the guests, they could choose. Uh, there was a little bit more uh, more choice in terms of you know uh, sort of building up the menu for them. Uh, the last couple of years we sort of changed a little bit, and at the moment we we have one one single menu. So and the idea is really you know really work more on in terms of consistency and and provide the same sort of experience for everyone. So again, it's a tasting menu, and we serve about thirteen different twelve thirteen different little courses and uh, for people. So to try a lot of different things in the menu, yeah. And how much is that? So it's three hundred fifty dollars per person at the moment, yeah. And how customizable is it? Like, if I come there and I mention that you know I'm really, you know, I'm not I'm not allergic to shellfish, but I just don't want to eat it tonight. Like, how much can you look after me? Yeah, definitely. I mean, again, we can cater pretty much for for I mean for everything to be honest, and for everyone. Um, uh, again, we don't have a visual menu when they get sit down to go through the menu. I mean, uh, it's all sort of, uh, you know, it's really tried to create an experience for the guests. But that's something the you know, the waiters, when they approach the table and have that conversation with the guests, explain the concept and explain the menus and just really try to, you know, speak with the guests and try to understand what they're up to and what they love and what they are interested in as well. And again, obviously, we have our menu and what we want to serve to the guests. But if uh, we can cater pretty much for anything, any, any sort of that requirement and then, you know, again, vegetarian menus, vegans—that's all good as well. That's not a problem at all for us. And yeah, we can um, adapt and, and change the menus as uh, as we go. And um, yeah, that's not a not an issue at all. And what's what do you want it to feel like for your guests? I mean, people book a long way ahead for the most part. It's pro- you know often a special occasion. What sort of experience do you aim to deliver? Um, well, again, I feel like you know we've there's a lot of people there. A lot of us that have been working there for a long, long time. So we really feel, um, you know, comfortable working with each other. It's, you know, for us, it's like, a, you know, it's a nice, we feel almost like a, a big family. Um, you know, a lot of us, we spend a lot more time in that restaurant than we spend at home with our partners and wives and girlfriends and boyfriends and whatnot. So for us, we, we want to feel like we are at home and, and, uh, uh, and, and that's sort of the feeling that we want people to feel when they come to the restaurant, you know. Um, we we fully appreciate that. We understand that you know most of people that go to this type of restaurants is it's for a very very special occasion. So even though we are doing that job every single day, and it's very easy for 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 us sort of to take it for granted, but we you know it's something that we always constantly have to remind ourselves is that you know it's for the guests that go to the restaurant it's their first time. They've been possibly saving up for a long time. They they celebrating something very very special and obviously you know and and we want to try to provide that experience to people so it's sort of really make them feel welcome and and comfortable. Um, 
we, you know, for those who's never never been up to to the Rialto Tower to view the Mon up there in the restaurant, it's. I feel like sometimes it can be a bit of a, a bit of an overwhelming experience when people show up downstairs, jumping inside of the lift. You, as you travel up the lift to go up to level fifty-five, you know, even the the lift lights change and the color on the lift changes. So it's it can be a little bit of an overwhelming experience to go up to level fifty-five. So um, one of the first things we want to try to do is to really to try to to make people feel very comfortable and welcome and make them understand that yes, even though it can be an overwhelming experience to go there. We want to make them feel like if they are in our home and, you know, provide them the best experience, you know, give them everything, everything the weekend to, yeah, to make them feel comfortable to a point where, you know, they can just relax and, uh, and enjoy the experience, you know. It's a really fine balance, isn't it, Hugo? Because you want it to be special and there's a certain grandeur, you know, you don't want it to feel, you want people to feel comfortable, but you also want it to feel special. I mean, what kind of skills as a human do you need to bring to what you do yeah i mean again it's it's yeah it's so funny that because you know i remember studying hospitality many years ago and uh you know that old saying of you know when people say that you need to treat all the guests the same way you know like everyone deserves the same service everyone deserves treated the same way but you know if you really think about that it's actually almost the opposite you 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 almost need to treat you need to treat every single table actually in a different way um, because everyone wants something different. Everyone um, got different expectations, and everyone comes from a different a different place. So it's sort of I think for us, for the waiters and so on, and not just the waiters, for all the chefs working in the kitchen, especially at Vudemont, because such an opening concept. It's really try to understand what where the guest comes from and uh, how they feeling and how they you know what's their mood on the day and then sort of for us to adjust to them and and provide and try to read the table and try to read the guest and read and uh, and adjust to what their needs and what they want and which style of service they want and so on. But um, you know for us you know I think one of the most important things it's it's energy and. Uh, and uh, and creating that energy and atmosphere in the restaurant and i really believe that that comes a lot from the people working um you know the waiters in the kitchen um you know i think when people come up to Vidamont, what we want it's from the moment they open that door downstairs on the ground floor we sort of put them inside of this bubble and this you know and then as they travel up on the lift you know it's you know, we want to make people feel um, in a in a different place, and they, so that they sort of can forget all their problems, all their you know everything that happens outside of their life, and leave everything downstairs and come up and and really provide a a very unique experience. And um, you know you can't uh, for us it's it's like if you go to a show, you know if you go and watch a, a big show in a stadium, and uh, you know if you go like sixty five thousand people in a stadium watching a show, and you know I compare I compare it to to almost to that. It's you know you. It's not just food. It's not just wine. You know, you're not just paying for a meal. It's uh, it's all it's an experience, and hopefully something that people remember for the rest of their lives. Yeah, that's sort of the that's the our the idea, and the, and that's what we want to be providing to the guests. Yeah. What kinds of things can you do for people that create that lifetime memory? Oh well, I guess we've got. I mean, we're very lucky. Obviously, we, we you know we got. First of all, we're working in an amazing space, and we're working with amazing, as amazing materials and 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 things. We've got a lot of options to to uh, to provide to provide those experiences to the guests. Um, but um, you know, something that people really love when they come up to the Vue de Mont, you know, when they're having the meal, uh, sort of doing a kitchen tours, 
meeting the meeting meeting the chefs in the kitchen, taking pictures with um, uh, with the chefs. Um, we go. We're lucky that we have you know a couple of private balconies up on level fifty five. Um, a special one in the event space, which sometimes if if there's no events we can really use for the restaurant. And, you know, it's a very private space. It's a very unique space and sort of have that opportunity to use that space for, for the restaurant. So the guests, they would come for dinner and then, you know, throughout dinner, possibly take them on a tour, take them outside to that space, provide a, a serve one of the dishes there, possibly, you know, let them enjoy uh, enjoy a course outside again it's something very unique very different that uh, you know not a lot of Russians are uh, able to do that um, you know that's a space that for example we use you know almost on a weekly basis for example for proposals you know like that happens a lot a lot of times at Vudemon where you know obviously people want to propose and uh, if we can we use a lot of that space to do that thing um, so just yeah create mem- you know good memories for people but um, um, but throughout the service, there's a lot of different things we can do, you know, little, little, um, little things. And it just really is sort of paying attention to the guests, um, are saying, listening to what they want. And, uh, uh, you know, they don't really have to, to ask you for anything, but if you're paying attention to what, what's happening on the table and sort of create an experience around that, uh, even if it's just, you know, even though there's a tasting menu, and we serve, serve you know, we serve one, uh, we serve all the menu. But if you're really paying too attention, if the guests, if if you feel like the guests really enjoy this little snack or enjoy that, and then again, it's just sort of being generous. It's all about generosity for us, and just you know, if we know that they really love that oyster, okay, well, they don't have to ask you for another oyster. We can just organize another oyster and serve it straight away because they love it so much. So we just organize another oyster. Or if or if they love the butter, for example, that we serve, we sort of you know, a lot of times we just pack them a little butter and then give them on the way out. And it's like, well, there we go. Take, enjoy a little bit, a little bit of a, our butter, take it home and enjoy the next couple of days if you wish, or, you know, this type of little things. But again, that just comes from uh, paying attention, listening to what the guests are saying and, uh, and, and taking it to the next, taking the next step is sort of, you know, using the information the guests are giving you, not just ignoring it, um, listening, and then really do something with it and, uh, and, and, and and create something special for the guests, I guess, you know. It sounds like a really interesting puzzle that you are confronted with every day, you know, this opportunity to make people's time on this earth a little sweeter and more joyful. Yeah, definitely. I mean, again, like, you know, we like to say that any happens more often than, than maybe possibly people would think, but and it's always very special for us you know, when you do something for the table and you see, you know, a person on the table crying at the table in the restaurant because of something you've done for them, it's like, okay, well, I think we've done our job in this table, you know, like it's, you create an experience and you know that those people, they're going to remember those, that dinner or that lunch for, for the rest of their lives because of something, you know, and again, sometimes it's something so simple. Again, uh, it can be, in sometimes these things, has got nothing related to really to food or to wine. But it's just, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, an example, for example, if you, you know, you've got this guest dining with you, but you've learned something about them or they come from a particular space or, a, or, a, or, or something like that and then they come for dinner. And then, for example, if you are able to take them to that balcony that I just mentioned before, and if I know where they're from, if I know which type of music they like, and if I can play a, a particular song for them on that space, which they were not expecting, that can can just cause uh, uh, 
you know, it can happen something on a person and just create that experience for someone. And again, it's got nothing to do with food and wine, but, uh, you know, the fact that you play that song for them at that particular moment where it brings them certain memories or thinking like this, you sort of, um, you know, you, you understand what I'm, what I mean? Like, yeah, it's really quite profound. It's re- it's like a really, uh, yeah, meaningful, um, yeah, perhaps you you never know what kind of change you can make in someone's life. Yeah, one hundred percent, and I, I think that's where the professionalism comes from, and you know what we tell the guys all the time, and we, you know, it's everyone works there for a reason, uh, all the waiters and all the chefs, and um, and we want people to work there that that they want to be doing these things for the guests. It's uh, 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 it's not just serving food, it's not just serving wine, it's not just setting up the table and and putting plates down and clearing and and moving on. It's uh, it's really. Uh, thinking sort of to the next level because otherwise there's no point in working in there. You can just work in, uh, in a, you know. Uh, so for me, it's uh, that's the thing when people talk about fine dining restaurants and this, this, and that. It's it, that's all very relative, you know. You, I can I can go and work in a little cafe around the corner and provide you a, a fine dining experience. You know, the the way I serve things, the way I'll explain it, you know, the way I'll you know, all of that. But it, it's so much more profound than that for us. I think. What I really like to think it's it's hospitality and and it's providing hospitality, being generous and looking after people with with love and care, and uh, and, and being you know and in generally just being nice as a, as a waiter or the chef and looking after people with with love and giving our best every single day. You know that's just what we try to do. Hugo, how did you get into this work? Oh well, I mean I'm um, <laughs> I mean I'm 32 years old now, but um. I've been working in restaurants uh, since uh, since I was 12 years old. So my brother, Carlos, um, which actually works in a restaurant as well. Um, so he's, he's a few years, he's three years older than me. So he started working first in, in this little restaurant where we're from in Portugal um, in the summer. And um, and yeah, so I joined, I joined the team there as well um, at a pretty young age. Uh, and I was sort of the first restaurant where I, I started working with him as well. And it's really funny because we, you know, we've been working together for many, many years, and um, and we work pretty much in every single restaurant that we work that he worked. I also worked together, um, and we sort of just follow each other, you know, in a few different places around the world. And uh, um, and yeah, I mean, it started like as a summer job, and then you sort of fell into love in, in, into it, and ended up studying hospitality um, for a few years. Um, and that's it. You you know you you get into it. You fell in love, and uh, I guess it's difficult to get away from it. Yeah. <laughs> I know that you worked at Dinner by Heston in London, and um, that you also uh, came across with the team to open dinner in Melbourne. I mean, what point in your career was it that this it all clicked for you about you know this profound impact mm. you can have on people from working in hospitality? Um, yeah, I mean, again, all the, all, you know, the, those first little restaurants that, uh, that I worked in my hometown uh, before I went to hospitality, you know, it, it, it's really funny because I look at them and as uh, I actually learned so much in some of those little places. Um, but and then I guess studying hospitality, um, you know, really taking it to the next level and, and learning, you know, classic ways and, and learning everything that you 
I guess, you know, that you can do to provide a nice experience to the guests. Um, but I think, yeah, I think probably in London, when I first moved to London and when I started working at Gordon Ramsay um, uh, in Hospital Road, so the three Michelin star restaurant, um, and just really see, you know, people's face and and happiness and, uh, you know, when you see someone trying a particular dish and uh, you can just see someone's expression and you know that, you know, like that's something very, very unique and very, very special. People, you know, people travel around the world just to go and eat in certain places and just to try one particular dish. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I think it's just, uh, yeah, very special. And, um, yeah. Hugo, what about the culture in hospitality, you know, over your your couple of decades working in it, there's been so much conversation in recent times about, you know, work-life balance, about hours, about expectations, um, and about about pay. I mean, you know, what have you seen happen during your career, and where do you think it still needs to go? Yeah, I mean, I think that's yeah, I think it's very very uh, very interesting, and it's definitely a, I guess, a hot topic, and. Um, you know, I, I guess, you know, when I was younger and I started working, um, and especially when I moved to London, um, I mean, yeah, it was, was hard. It was, uh, it was a bit of a shock for me, to be honest. Like, um, you know, I guess, you know, I was working in Portugal and I worked in a lot of different places in Portugal. But when I moved to London and especially working at Gordon Ramsay and, and, and Dina Bayesen in London as well, like, yeah, it was tough. I mean, you, you know, for the, for the, a young a young person you know trying to uh, start a new career and and learn and and uh, you know and push like you have to work a lot of hours there's a lot a lot of pressure um i mean culturally wise i think that really depends as well where you're working uh, again for example for me when i was working at gordon ramsay you know as you can imagine you know gordon ramsay is a very very different person than Aston blumenthal you know both of them achieve greatness both of them got three michelin star restaurants um, and you know, but culturally wise, working for those two companies very, very different. So uh, you sort of have, to, I guess, adapt and and and, and adapt to, to to the places. But um, yeah, I think I think it came a long way, to be honest. And um, uh, I, I feel like I, you know, you know, I've uh, when I started my career, on obviously you're trying to work hard and push so you can get promoted and and move up and and get better positions and obviously. You know better salary and and better lifestyle and and just you know keep pushing in your career you know for me it was i you know back in the days yes of course i, I probably worked hundreds and hundreds of hours which i probably wasn't paid for it to be honest you know um and uh, and obviously the, all of that you know really changed the last couple of years it sort of really really changed um which i guess you know it's it's a positive thing for everyone um, it, you know, it just at some point, you know, those type of conversation needed to start happening and 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 changing. But uh, um, yeah, we just, I guess, in a different space. Uh, for me, it's sort of um, I'm in the middle of it, isn't it? Like I, I was when I was younger, I was I was in that position and I was pushing on and working to get to a management position, and and then sort of when I really, you know, when I finally got there, and now things completely change so i you know we had to adjust and 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 change everything just the way you interact with people and uh, you know bringing new team members into the team and uh, because yeah things change a lot in the last few years for for better i guess you know yeah, I mean, if anyone's now running four days a week where it used to be 
every day there's fewer services the team I guess is smaller and I, I guess more cohesive in in some ways but do you feel that you know the people that you're training the team that you're building can they reach the same standards that you reached at the same age yeah they can and again I think it's just yeah it's just it's just different I think uh, people's go yeah I mean it's very important that I think you have it's like I can't expect the same thing either as well to be honest it's like if I nowadays if I do the way I see it is like the things which for example were done to me or the the things that I maybe passed through you know 10-15 years ago in hospitality if I do those certain things now I, I would just have no one to work for me there's there'll be no one there will be no staff members to work there you know so in, you have to adjust and and, ch- and change and adapt um and just create a different you know different experience for staff members so that they use you still get the same experience in the end in terms of providing a service to the guests so it's just you just have to be uh, conscious of of with who you're working nowadays and which type of people you're getting um and uh, and and adjust accordingly so that you you know so that at the end of the day you sort of still provide the same experience to the guests and everyone you know but um yeah i mean the way i see it it's it's staff members it's it's trying to to look after as much as you can the staff members so that they in the end of the day they they come to to work and they're happy to be there and so they can provide a, a good experience to, to to the guests you know so yeah it's really interesting i think you know as a as a diner you can there there might be a sort of technical brilliance about service when people are pushed really hard and they're doing so many hours like maybe maybe you know every crumb is scraped from the table perfectly and they can you know explain something you know like you could ask any question about any dish and they'd be able to answer it perfectly but i think it must be it must be the spirit must be different and i think that you couldn't help but have some resentment towards you know the people that were employing you but also the people that you were looking after when you were under so much pressure yourself yeah 100% and i think there's only as much as you it gets to a point where you just stop being productive i think as well you know like you you can't be the same this productive the same way if you're working 80 or 85 hours a week than if you work even 50 hours a week and 50 hours a week again that's already a few a fair amount of hours over 38 hours which is sort of the i guess the normal hours for people to work in the world i guess isn't it but um you know so yeah but in terms of productivity and and providing and even just terms of happiness if you're nice and fresh and and uh, energetic and ready to go your sense of humor is different and you you're happy to be there and you're motivated and you're excited um Again, it's it, it provides a completely different experience if you are tired and exhausted and you didn't sleep properly because you couldn't sleep properly and and so on. Again, you know, certainly you're not going to be there in the same mood and and provide the same experience to the guests and 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 the guests can feel that obviously if the guests walk through the restaurant and everyone is looking down and uh, no one is smiling, no one is uh, you know greeting and even saying hello and saying welcome and and there's no energy and there's no you know the vibe in the restaurant it's different obviously so and i guess they can feel that so that's something that we you know it's very important to us and um and uh, yeah so just really try to yeah to maintain that sort of level of energy to so the guests they feel welcome and they feel like they they are in a special place yeah um hugo you know it's something we've spoken a lot about on this podcast over 
500 episodes <laughs> is um, is the respect that's given to front of house generally and you know whether well the difficulty in getting people to treat it as a profession both from the employee side but also from the diner side um, just this culture that's quite different perhaps to you know how some people say it is in Europe. What do you, where do you think uh, front of house is placed in Australia at the moment? Um, I don't know. I mean, like, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's okay. Like, uh, we, you know, I think when people are presented with with a very special service and. Uh, when you do everything you can to provide an amazing experience to the guests, they really appreciate it. So they, they value that. And we see that every single day. Like uh, I see, you know, guest feedback on a daily basis where, you know, from all different types of waiters who have in a restaurant, and I'm not talking about just, you know, a particularly one or two waiters. It's sort of through, you know, through the board for, with everyone. It's uh, So I think... <laughs> yeah I, I think i think people appreciate it i guess and uh, um yeah i mean in europe yeah probably people make more more a career out of it um you know you go and study hospitality and you know to become a professional to become a waiter maybe in australia i think as a chef it's different you know if you really want to become a chef you you really you know that's your that's your job that's your passion that's what you're going to study and then you become a chef and it's you know maybe there's more more it's you know maybe possible people take a little bit more more serious i think front of house it's sort of like maybe still people think that anyone possibly can do it um you know it's sort of uh, maybe more of a, a job that um you know, you sort of can go and do it in, in, in school holidays or you can just go and do it just because of extra money and extra cash and this and that. But it's very interesting to see people in front of us with, you know, amazing degrees and they study something completely different and incredibly intelligent and they, uh, but and then they sort of ended up working in hospitality, you know, because they fell in love and they loved the, the service and looking after people and, and things like that. But it's very yeah. It happens very very often where you see front of us people very intelligent that they you know they you know they study so many different things and then you question yourself like it's like you study all of that and like what well, you know how you ended up on this life and and it's got to do with the love of of, of service and and looking after people and meeting new people every day and uh, uh, and providing you know amazing experience to people you know I think people fell in love with it I guess yeah. Well, in terms of direct impact and and immediate feedback, I think looking after somebody in a restaurant, it's hard to beat it. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like you, you, you know, you, you, you know, if you're providing a, you, you can see the tables, you can see the guests, you can see the guests' reactions and 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 how they're feeling. So it's you know if you know if you're doing a good job or if the guest is not particularly happy about something. So. And, and you want that, obviously, you want to have that feeling every single day. And, and, and that's what is amazing about hospitality in restaurants like this. It's that, you know, people are super excited to go out for dinner most of the times, I guess. And it's an opportunity for us to really meet new people every single day and, and make friends. I mean, I, I, I couldn't tell you how many friends and how many people, incredibly nice people I've met in restaurants over the years and that people actually became my friends and, and you know, and we, so many stories we, we can share about restaurants and so on. So, yeah. 
Mm. Hugo, if you, you know, look forward five, ten years, I mean, do you have um, a, an ambition for yourself? Uh, yeah, what? where do you see yourself? Yeah, I'm not sure, Danny, to be honest. Like, um, uh, yeah, I don't like, uh, it's difficult to think that I had, to be honest. I, uh, you know, for many, many years, I thought I would open a restaurant one day uh, with my brother and, uh, you know, possibly we thought that we would go back to Portugal and open a restaurant. Um, not sure if that would, you know, if that would happen, I'm, you know, I realized that, you know, opening your business nowadays, it's, it's, it's challenging and it's, it's probably getting more and more difficult, I guess. But, um, yeah, I'll probably just, uh, I'll just keep, keep pushing and keep working. Um, I think as much as I love this life and love, I love the Russians and love service and so on. I think there's, it gets to a point as well where you sort of have to make a decision of what you want for your life and sort of the lifestyle you want to live. And uh, as much as I love obviously going to bed every day at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning after service, it's not, uh, uh, you know, there's only for, for many years you want to do that as well, to be honest. So uh, all different things to, to consider. But uh, I think forever I will be connected to some sort of hospitality and um, you know, I would have possibly this dream of one day um, opening a little something back home in Portugal, um, you know, a little bed and breakfast or something like that, um, and just sort of looking after guests in a different way. But, um, uh, but yeah, again, I guess uh, I think hospitality is probably what I will be doing for the rest of my life, yeah. Beautiful, Hugo. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today. It's great to get um, this really rich insight into Vudemond through your eyes and through the, I think, really important work that you do. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, always a pleasure. Again, congratulations on the, on the 500 podcast and, uh, yeah, have a lovely day and uh, I guess I'll see you soon. I hope so. Yeah. All right, cool. Thank you so much. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.